कोता निद्रा जाओ माया पीसा चिरा तो coming out, you forgot your promise. Your family members came around you. They said, coochie, coochie, coo. They all smiled at me. And then, as a young child, I played. In adolescence, I was absorbed in social affairs, work, took birth yet again. Please remember, he's saying, now I've come as an avatar just to save you 
and bring you back to home, back to God. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. this special medicine is going to cost you something. It means you can't be too proud to beg. You have to really want it and you have to beg for it with all your heart. And that medicine then will be available to you in abundance just by chanting. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare
Bhaktivinoda Thakur says, I fell down at the lotus feet of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He said, I begged for the holy name and I received it. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Krishna, Krishna, Krishna. 
Premanande. Shri Harinam Sankirtan Ki. Shri Harinam Mahamantra Ki. Shri Harinam Prabhu Ki. Go Premanande. Nitai Gaura Haribo. One of the ways to be safe in the world, or one might say the only way to be safe, is to find a person who is unassailable, who has completely pure heart, and who has set a course through the way that he or she has lived his or her life, and to find out um, what their modes of living are, their conceptions, their lifestyle, and what's the S? Sentiments. Sentiments, conceptions, and lifestyles and follow in their footsteps. And actually, this is part of the process of bhakti. It's called satovrate. Satovrate means to find uh, the person who you want to become like, and then to find out what he or she did uh, to become like that, or the path that he or she set, so, and then follow it. Um, why don't we move up by... 12.4 inches because the wonderful devotees in the back are getting blasted in the sun. Okay, we need a little more volume, one of our experts has said, and I could speak closer to the mic. Thank you. You call the lights on. The lights on. Everyone comfortable? Okay. You happy over there? Necessities, as Prabhupada uh, put it in one place. I was speaking about satovrite, which means that there are those who have chalked out a path. This is recommended and the Srimad Bhagavatam. How many of you here have read Srimad Bhagavatam? Yeah, okay. Srimad Bhagavatam is the essence of all the teachings of bhakti. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in Srimad Bhagavatam, it is said uh, that the path of bhakti is aided by finding a person who can guide you like a captain guides a ship. It's been over the ocean several times. And also by having favorable breezes. Favorable breezes means that you get the benefit of hearing books like Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam on a regular basis. And it's self-evident that these are spiritual. Self-evidence is important just like this morning we saw the sun come up and nobody debated whether it had come up or not. We had a, a really good idea that it was there. Everything changed. The heat, the light, 
all the animals responded. Everyone spo responds spontaneously. And so similarly, there are self-evident aspects of spiritual practice. Uh, one of them is reading the wisdom literatures like Srimad Bhagavatam, Bhagavad Gita, and so forth. And the other is following in the footsteps of great acharyas, uh, those who teach by example. And this is recommended in the Srimad Bhagavatam. It's said that they, those who are exemplars of the process of bhakti, they create a system for themselves and then they leave it behind for others so that we can easily cross over the troublesome ocean of the material world. Ocean means it's impossible. If you've been thrown in the ocean even a little bit beyond the shore, you know that it's a frightening experience. In fact, Cat Stevens in an interview, do you remember him? I forget his other name, my apologies, but he was saying that one day, he lived in Malibu, California, and he went out for a swim by himself on a fairly peaceful day and waded out a little too far. And then he realized that he wouldn't be able to get back. He was being drawn out to sea, and there was nobody there to help him. And then he said a prayer spontaneously. He had never believed in God before. But he said, if, if you show yourself to me and bring me back in somehow or other, and spare me this one time, one time, I'll be attentive to you from now on. And just then, a little wave, just big enough to pick him up, came in and transported him back to the shore. That's when he de dedicated himself to God. Uh, and since then, he's been uh, fully dedicated. There's a story in the Srimad Bhagavatam about an elephant in Gajendra. And he was... In a similar jam, he went out into a lake one day. It's a long story about Gajendra, but he got the elephant. Gajendra was the king, and he got captured by a crocodile. The crocodile grabbed him by the leg. And at some point, he realized that he wouldn't be able to get out of it. And we have these experiences throughout our life, don't we? When we have a minute, minute, a minute of clarity that actually I'm helpless. Have you ever had that? Oftentimes I think I'm independent, I don't need anybody. But when my hand becomes paralyzed or I suddenly realize my identity's been stolen, all my wealth is gone. I mean, there are moments like this that happen. I'm speaking about the material ocean and how difficult it is in the ocean. And we see it all around us. It's reported every day. This happened to such and such a person. And I think, oh, it won't happen to me, but it does. And Gajendra was a very powerful animal, so much so that in the forest, everyone respected him and got out of his way. And some followed behind him and said, we're with him, you know. And he felt good about it. And he had a family. Family loved him. He loved them. He was actually, as elephants like to do, helping his family bathe in the lake. He was spraying them. Elephants are very intelligent. They're also, they become very attached. There's a couple elephants in Mayapur. Have, have you ever met them? Uh, the, 
I talked to the trainer for three hours. She told me how if she goes away for a few days, when she comes back, they're so attached to her. They come running from about a mile away uh, to, to greet her, and they, they, they won't leave her side. They have separation anxiety. Very sensitive. Gajendra is spraying his family members in the water, and then suddenly, Crocodile grabs his leg out of nowhere. And this is what happens in this world. When we're least expecting it, perhaps, then something happens. So Gajendra used his own strength for some time to try to fight off the crocodile. And then he came to a point of realization that I can't win. And every one of us will come to this point at some time in our life where we realize that this is it. And somebody the other day, we were having a discussion on one of our online forums, and a, 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 a very intelligent person who joins there all the time was saying that uh, we were talking about what it's like at the time of death, and he said, it's, it's a time of reconsideration. <laughs> it gives us a special perspective, but we gather like this, and so have sages for millennia, uh, to preemptively reconsider. So there's a way in which we, th we, we think about things, how to be in the moment now and realize our helplessness. Kaushtubha Prabhu today up on the Sermon on the Mount. It was so beautiful. We all went up there uh, just before sunrise and he talked about the sun. And one of the points he made was about um, not being dependent on our so-called status in the world and maintaining the status quo, but being very humble and dependent on the Supreme Personality of Godhead Krishna. This is real life. That's real happiness. If I can do it preemptively by hearing from great souls who are in that mode, they've given up the idea that I have to maintain some status uh, based on my body and my mind. Uh, there's a kind of uh, potency that they have uh, when they speak and, and as they move in the world. And as I began this monologue, there's a way in which if we emulate them and watch what they did and practice in the same mode, then we'll also come to this point of safety. As did Gajendra when he realized he was being overpowered by a crocodile in the water. And what did he do? Same as Cat Stevens, he began to pray. He didn't even know who the Supreme was at that time. But he called out that I'm helpless. You want to try it? You just call out and say, I'm helpless. Yeah, I'm not convinced. Yeah, I'm still not convinced. I know it's, it seems a little constrained. It's like, oh, what's up people going to think? And maybe that's a, I don't know, is that a cult or something? But, but actually, it's, it's truth. It's actually the truth. I'm helpless. And if I'm able to be in that truth in the moment, and I'm able to call out God's names at that point, then there's complete cognition of my connection with the Supreme Personality of God in that very moment. And there's no fear. My fear comes from trying to hold on. I try to hold on to my, the status of this body. It's impossible. I try to arrange it in many ways. 
my reputation and everything else. Oftentimes we have the most, uh, uh, we have teachable moments when something is unceremoniously taken from us, perhaps our reputation or something else valuable. And don't we then have that opportunity to say, oh well, we become philosophical, I'll start over. It's a relief, right? So bhakti, spiritual life, means to cultivate that. Cultivate that now and to live in that truth that actually I'm helpless and I'm fully dependent on the Supreme. And then the chanting. This is what Bhakti Thakur was saying in the song. The chanting is a, a way, a cry out that, please, I'm helpless, uh, no moss. I'm not going to try to defend myself. I'm going to only take shelter of you in all these circumstances that I'll encounter in my life. And the next song we'll sing is a song about the spiritual world. And so just this morning I was listening to a talk by uh, my spiritual master, Srila Prabhupada, and he was saying that if you want to go somewhere, you have to hear about it a little bit. Have you ever had this experience? And he was saying, he was in New York at the time in 1966, and he had only been to Boston and New York at that time. He came to America uh, out of a feeling of a duty to his spiritual master to teach what he knew, what he had learned about bhakti to the rest of the world, especially the Western world. And so he was in New York and he was speaking to a very small crowd. I, th I think there was one person at the time. <laughs> you can hear his uh, exchange he's having with, with a woman there that's asking a lot of questions. You can hear this. Uh, it's the seventh recording that, pro that was made of Prabhupada when he, in a, of all of all the recordings he ever made. And so he was explaining to her that actually I'm not happy in New York, I'd rather be in Vrindavan, that's my home. I only came here and I'm enduring all these inconveniences because, because uh, it was my duty to do this and to, to give this knowledge. And then he said, um, he said if, if you want to go somewhere, uh, if you want to go back to the spiritual world, you have to hear about it. So he said, just like in San Francisco, uh, he named uh, Cohen. Uh, I think that was Mukundamaraj, right? His last name was Cohen. So one of the devotees who had started in New York said, I'm going to San Francisco when I was leaving. And just as he was leaving, Prabhupada said, oh, by the way, please start another center there. <laughs> he, he had other plans, actually. He was on his way out the door and he was going to go to San Francisco and then to India. He was a musician. He was going to learn some classical Indian music. And he had helped the Swami in New York, and that was pretty much all. But then all of a sudden he heard this voice as he was walking out the door. Oh, by the way, start a center in, in San Francisco. Actually, Prabhupada had a similar experience. When he first met his spiritual master, there's a place in Calcutta, which is one of the most interesting places to go and look around and look at the spiritual origins of bhakti. Uh, those um, who know Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur had started his flagship temple there in Bhagavazar. And then there's Ulta Dunga Junction Road. It's hard to say. Try to say it. Ulta Dunga Junction Road. Three times now. Ulta Dunga Junction Road. Uh, and then you go back. Um, <laughs> click your heels. So there's, there's a 
there's a, a, the original place where Prabhupada, Srila A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, had met his spiritual master. The, the very place where he met him, he walked upstairs, the very stones that he stepped on to walk up there. And as he described it, as did my spiritual master, Srila Prabhupada, he said that he offered obeisances to this saintly person that he had been uh, compelled to meet by his friend who pulled him along and said, no, you have to meet this one. It's really good. And so when he went in and he was paying his obeisances, just as he was sitting back up again, his future guru was telling him that you should spread Krishna consciousness in the West. <laughs> Too late. Tag. You've got it. There's something very powerful, as I was saying earlier, about the words of somebody who is representing the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Because when he or she speaks, there's a, um, there's a mandate that's uh, implicit in the words. And if one wants to be fortunate, one can simply take that and make it one's own agenda. This is how to be successful. If you want to know also how to outsmart a genius, it's to just have a better plan and follow the plan. You don't have to be a genius. You just have to follow the right plan. So that's what Prabhupada did. And then he talked about how if I hear about from this person who went to San Francisco, and he was hearing it's like this and like that, he said, then I desire to go there, and I get a ticket and go. So the next song is about the spiritual world, and it describes what goes on there, and what goes on in the spiritual world are loving exchanges between Krishna and his devotees and between all the devotees. And the loving exchanges have to do with uh, relationships. And spiritual life, the pinnacle of spiritual life, means to reawaken our loving relationship with Krishna and his devotees. And when we have that, then our heart is full and we don't need anything else. Do you believe me? Please say yes. yes. Okay, let's sing the song and hear about the activities of the loving exchanges in the spiritual world. Jaya Radha Madhava Jaya Kunja
let's uh, just hear a little bit from the Bhagavatam. But first we'll chant a, a mantra for us to be ready to receive the message. So if you'll repeat after me, please. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Before continuing, I offer my respectful obeisances to my spiritual master and to all of you who are on this divine path of devotional service. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. So, the context of the Bhagavatam is that there's a seminar or a retreat just like this. And sages have gathered together in a forest almost like this. <laughs> and it's a place called Naimisharanya. It's said to be the exact center of the universe. Because actually, here on Earth, we're on the ground floor, which is a good place to be because you can get out of the building. If you're way at the top, you have to take the elevator down or the stairs. If you're way in the bottom, you have to come up here to get out on the ground floor. The Earth planet is especially meant for self-realization. It's not too nice, in case you haven't noticed. <laughs> and it's not too bad either. It's right in the middle. It's fine-tuned for those who wish to refine themselves in the process of spiritual life. And as a preparation, you're not harassed by conditions uh, so much that you can't do anything. And uh, it's, it's a little balanced. So they met there with a topic. And the topic was how to do the greatest good for the most people, not just people, for all living entities. Isn't that a good seminar topic? Because there's a way in which um, I have in my own mind many troubles and tribulations. Anybody? Can you relate? Thank you. I feel better now. Uh, it's constant. There's constant anxiety wake up in the middle of the night, oh no, I didn't, get, I didn't get to this, I didn't get to that, and so forth. There are a lot of miseries in this world, and they all come from the mind, uh, the mind and the body, my identification with the body and the mind. So the sages, who were liberated souls, knew this, and they wanted to come up with a way that in the future, which they saw would be a little bit um, troublesome for people, especially because it would be a mechanical age. They, they, they were seers. They understood what was coming, and things are cyclical in this world. And there was a troubling age coming, and this was their intention. Their intention was to find out what can we do for everyone, uh, for the mass of people, for all living entities, so that they can overcome the obstacles that will be inherent in the, in the age that we're living in now, called Kali. In fact, we're 5,000 years into it. It's kind of just the beginning. It's uh, living up to its, <laughs> to its billing. So they were, they were, the sages then uh, appointed a speaker 
based on his qualification. His name was Sutta Goswami. And Sutta Goswami is said to have been a very um, gentle soul. Veta tvam saumya tatsarvam tattvatas taranugrahat bruyus nignasya gurubo guyama puta. They say, uh, the sages, to this uh, very advanced person that you've followed the spiritual path very strictly. You're also a gentle soul. So because you're gentle and you're rendered service to your uh, spiritual teachers, they've been very open-hearted with you. They gave you all your, their secrets. They told you everything. And therefore, uh, you're qualified. You know, uh, you know how to teach us. This was the very um, non-competitive way that sages would get together. They would decide amongst themselves, let's put this person up there because the audience and the speaker are 50-50. It's not that one's better than the other. Both are required. Have you ever tried to speak to an audience when somebody's going like this? Like, it's very difficult. We depend on this connection through consciousness. So there has to be a 50-50. So they put him up there uh, did the sages put up Sutta Goswami was his name. What's his name? Sutta Goswami. Correct. <laughs> and so Sutta Goswami, uh, they began to pose questions to them because uh, questions are the answer. If you ask good questions, the quality of the questions you ask will determine the quality of your life. So these are the best questions you're going to find anywhere. And one of them was, how do we do the greatest good for all living entities all over the world? Now, uh, once we start answering that, we go out of the limited confines of our minds where all the anxieties reside, and we start thinking, how can I help other people? So this is now uh, uh, in this context that I'm going to read this uh, particular verse. And this is uh, the answer of uh, one of the questions, and it has to do with um, how to solve all your problems. Would you like to know that? Yes. Okay, I tell you, but we ran out of time. <laughs> Thank you for coming. I'll see you next time. Keep going? Yes. All right. The verse goes like this. Tasmad ekena manasa bhagavan satvatam pati shrotavya kirtitavyascha dheya and the translation is, therefore, with one pointed attention, one should constantly hear about, glorify, remember, and worship the personality of Godhead, who is the protector of the devotees. And here's a purport written by Srila Prabhupada. If realization of the absolute truth is the ultimate aim of life, it must be carried out by all means. In any one of the above-mentioned casts and orders of life, the four processes, namely glorifying, hearing, remembering, and worshiping, are general occupations. Without these principles of life, no one can exist. Activities of the living being involve engagements in these four different principles of life. Especially in modern society, all activities are more or less dependent on hearing and glorifying. Any man from any social status becomes a well-known man if 
in human society within a very short time if he is simply glorified truly or falsely in the daily newspapers. Sometimes political leaders of a particular party are also advertised by newspaper propaganda and by such a method of glorification an insignificant man becomes an important man within no time. But such propaganda by false glorification of an unqualified person cannot bring about any good, either for the particular man or for the society. There may be some temporary reactions to such propaganda, but there are no permanent effects. Therefore, everyone okay so far? Last part. Therefore, such activities are a waste of time. The actual object of glorification is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who has created everything manifested before us. We have broadly discussed this fact from the beginning of the Janmadhyasya Shloka of this Bhagavatam. The tendency to glorify others or hear others must be turned to the real object of glorification, the Supreme Being, and that will bring happiness. So, just a, a short synopsis, and then we'll just take a few reflections and questions. Okay? That is that a spiritual practice at its best means you don't have to change who you are or what you're doing now. Um, well, you do have to, to change uh, the point of focus. We have emotions, we have attachments and sentiments. If those, when we direct those attachments, when we become attached to the right object, to the right person, when we have desires in relationship to that person, the Supreme Person, then we're acting in yoga, huge connection and then we feel fully satisfied and happy. And when I direct my love and I become towards uh, those people and objects that are uh, in relationship, not with my spiritual being, but just with my bodily existence, which is here today and gone tomorrow, then I misplace it. And therefore I feel out of alignment and I'm unhappy, simply put. So the process of bhakti means to do what we're doing now the way I might be glorifying somebody in this world or appreciating somebody, but finding out janmadhyasya, which means who's the source of all people, of all beauty, of all, beauty, of all fame, and then investing my consciousness there. And so the, the, the process is... To, to use our natural proclivities in service to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And this is the way to overcome uh, the various miseries of material life. And now let's take a few reflections or questions. Prabhu. We have a little extra time. Oh, you do? Yeah, you can take an extra time. Okay, I have an extra 15 minutes. Yes. Yes. Thanks. That helps to have those lined up. Glorifying. What's an example of that? Of glorification. I'm not in the bhakti realm, but just in general. Yudabam. What? Yudabam. Yudabam. 
Okay. Used to be you man, but <laughs> you to bomb. Okay, yes? Offering appreciations. Yeah, but give more as much specific as you can. Yes? I was Newspaper. Yeah, somebody gets glorified in the newspaper. Like can be more specific? Yeah. Kent? Yeah, glorify you focus your attention on, but let's say yes. Beyonce. So Beyonce is a star and she has God-given talents and, uh, you know, award ceremonies. That's another one. And there's, there's a way in which we could really fixate on a person here because it, it's, it's not unreasonable in one way because any potency we see in this world is actually coming from the Supreme and therefore we're attracted to it. So in Beyonce, we see something practically otherworldly, the way that she can perform. And it's, you know, I can, I can glorify her. I just, I just did, actually, didn't I? <laughs> so, but I could make a whole thing of it. Um, Graceland. I don't know if you know what that is, but that's where the king was born, Elvis. I mean, there's radio stations dedicated to glorifying him. There's a whole um, process of people going there and paying homage and so forth. Glorifying and then, yes? Glorifying God within and offering yourself. Now that's God. bhakti. So that's a redirecting that natural tendency to glorify, but you're, you're uh, glorifying the source. So in doing that, we don't exclude anybody else because just as when you water the root of a tree, then all the branches and leaves are, are naturally satisfied. And so similarly, uh, we don't exclude anyone when we glorify the source of all of the beings and we actually can appreciate them in a, in a deeper way so glorifying was the first and then we have uh, yes glorifying hearing so here's the next question what do you hear generally uh, throughout the day would you say as a percentage like what kinds of things might one hear yeah, television is uh, something that one could he, could subscribe to, right? It's still available. Wisdom of the TV, sages. wisdom of the sages. Nature. Nature. Kirtan. Listening to kirtan. Um, what are ways that one might while away one's time listening to uh, things that are not? Help, uh, they're they're sort of like Radio. junk food. Yeah. So there's there's radio, there's um, endless talk about sports, who might win, and then after somebody wins, who cheated, uh, or wh whatever, it can go on forever. Uh, the, the speculation is rampant, who, I mean, after the game's over, it's over. Why don't you talk about the next thing? Uh, but we have to talk about that, and then, then the next thing also. So there's endless topics for, for hearing, in this world, we can. So, one of the principles here, tasmad ekena manasa, means ekena, find that one place where you glorify and where you hear that you'll come to highest potential in life. And so, hearing is the gateway to success in spiritual life. It's called shravanam. And when you're born, you get, at least most people, Standard equipment, you get two free ears thrown in with the deal. Check and see if they're still there. Did you get them? 
Come on, you're cool. We'll check and see if you got ears. Thanks. Two ears. Don't look at them too long in the mirror because you'll freak yourself out. You're like, what am I anyway? An alien? It's got little channels and everything like that. It's like, and it's coming off the side of my head. It's like, oh, he looks so good. And it's like, actually, you know, he looks really weird. <laughs> it's got ears hanging out. But they're meant for something. And when you take in spiritual sound vibration through these ears, then there's a transformative effect, systemic. It happens, as uh, Prabhu was saying this morning up on the hill, uh, he was saying, if you hear the chant, the Hare Krishna chant, you listen to the names, uh, you expose yourself to it, then it will start to rise up in your heart and in your being, just like the sun rising. It comes of its own accord, and all we have to do is hear. Next one. So we have glorifying hearing. Does anybody remember number three? Remembered? Yes. So generally, what we hear about, what we look at, what we glorify, that's what we're going to remember. And this is a, a, a very detailed science in yoga. Our mind is a, an absorbing uh, agent. In fact, everything that we come in contact with, everything that we hear, not just in this life, but in all previous lives. And how many previous lives have you had? Approximately? Three, four, five, six, seven? A whole bunch? Too many. Too many. Each one of those, we have our recording devices from whatever species of life we're in there taking in information from the outside world. And it goes into the mind. The mind is like a, a, a cloud that is a digital cloud that absorbs all of that information and therefore you might wonder why do I think of particular things in a particular way it's because of the combinations and permutations of all the things that I've seen heard glorified in this life and in previous lives and therefore I have a particular disposition a predisposition and the way I approach life we don't see the world the way it is we see the world the way we are and the way we are has to do with the way our minds are configured due to what we've taken in. So there's a way to reverse that process, to remember the spiritual world, as we just sang a song about it a moment ago. So remembering is very important because, and final point on remembering, Krishna says very simply in the Bhagavad Gita, this is a simple truth about what happens when we leave our bodies. He says, Yang Yang Vapisvanam Bhavam Tajatyante Kalevaram Tam Tam Evaitikunteya Sadatad Bhava Bhavita. Which means, whatever you remember when you're leaving this body will carry you to your next body. Because the material nature and Krishna are accommodating us in every aspect of our life. So, whatever we most desire when we leave the world. Whatever our prominent desire is will determine the accommodation we get in the next life. Therefore, it's important to practice this bhakti yoga throughout one's life so that I have this intense feeling of love that I want to be with Krishna, I want to be with the devotees. Just like all of you, that's why you're here, right? Say yes. yes. Thank you. And last one. What is it? Worshiping. Worshiping. 
So worshiping is an interesting word. It originally comes from the word worth. But when you add ship onto a word, you can try it with other words, it turns it into a noun. So what something is worth means its value. And then when you say worship, worship it through uh, kind of Sunday rules, the way we put words together and that's the phonetical uh, composition changes slightly. So worth-ship became worship. So what, where we place our attention, in whom we give our attention, to whom we give our attention, what we find valuable, that's where we worship. So the sages here are telling us, give uh, what's of most value to us in this world, the object that will most satisfy us and all living beings is the divine source of everything, who is a person, who is love personified, who is all beauty, and his name is Krishna. And that's why we chant Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare. First time I heard that, I was like, what the, what is that? And then, you know, just the sound, it's like, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, and you're like, I don't know what it is, but it's driving me crazy. And uh, no one knows how deep it is. No one's ever been able to find the bottom of that mystery. So if you chant Hare Krishna, and you hear Srimad Bhagavatam and Bhagavad Gita, and associate with devotees, and then put your heart into it. Like, don't be afraid to give yourself to this. It's like you might give your people might go crazy with some musician and you know take off all their clothes and run across the stage. It was like, I love you, right? Misplaced. Don't do that. Uh, of course, don't do that here either. But the mood, a mood of complete surrender is like, ah, you can do that with Krishna in your heart at home. No, here too. Uh, you can feel free to open your, your that worshiping nature that you have, that loving nature to Krishna, and you'll never, ever be disappointed. And you'll, and you'll become completely happy. So just the last review of the verse goes like this. Tasmad means therefore, because it, in the previous verses, they, the sages were talking about the difficulties of life. And now they say how to solve it. Tasmad ekena means one. Ek means one. Say ek means one. Manasa means mind. So be one-pointed in your mind. Tasmat ekena manasa bhagavan sattvatam pati. So pati means the one who protects us. We have one pati who's taking care of us. He's feeding us. He's watching over us. He's in your heart right now. Feel your heart. He's in there. He's our um, companion. Companion comes from Old French into Latin, and it means somebody you break bread with, because pane means bread, companion. The one that you're most intimate, your best friend, he's there in your heart. Tasmadekena manasa bhagavan sattvatam pati shrotavya, shrotavya, come on, work with me, people. Hold your ears now. Shrotavya. Kirtitavyas. Kirtita means to glorify, to say, Hare Krishna. Kirtitavyascha. Deya means to remember, to meditate. Deya. Pujam. Pujam means to worship. You could put an altar up. 
you can bow down to it. It'll feel good. It's the best thing you can do. Put your head down before Krishna. Then you feel happy. Deha pujas to nityada. And how often should you do it? Nityada means? It means a lot. You've got to do it a lot. And if you do it a lot, or the more you do it, the happier you'll get. And the more people you teach it to, the simple system, you just bring them over to your house and say, here, watch this. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. <laughs> and by the way, try some of this food. <laughs> it's offered to Krishna. And then next thing, they'll be going around, Hare Krishna. <laughs> and if you do that, then your life is complete and you need no other occupation. Om Tat Sat. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Thank you.